now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Tuesday, and welcome to the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Jim Goodis. We are going to talk about how the Bears aren't the only party interested in the 326-acre Arlington Park property. That's in our next segment. But right now, the week ahead includes a report on activity in the service sector and the latest on job openings and jobless claims. And to talk about all that, we're joined by Andrew Bush, the former Chief Markets Intelligence Officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and an economist at andrewbush.com here in Chicago. So, Andy, let's talk about what's coming up this week and why it's so important. Yeah, I think uh, there's two things that I would point out. One is the JOLTS survey. that That's the job openings uh, survey. Last month, it showed that there were 9.3 million jobs open for uh, workers that were going unfilled. And I think it's going to stay in nearly that level. So uh, those in the leisure and hospitality industries, bars, restaurants, hotels are struggling, as you mentioned in your last report, to get workers to come in. So that's one report. And then, of course, the central bank, the Federal Reserve's minutes uh, are going to be released this week on Wednesday at uh, 2 p.m. ET. That will give us a glimpse into their mindset for when they're actually going to stop their extraordinary easing that they've done to get the economy rolling after the shutdown and give us a, maybe a roadmap for when they're going to start like pulling back a bit. My guess would be sometime in December, but we'll see what they say on Wednesday. Andy, let's talk about the Fed for a second. What the Fed does, what does that signal in terms of how the recovery is going in the sense of is it going too fast? Is it not going fast enough? Are there areas of concern? What will the Fed? What are you looking for in terms of what the Fed does in terms of how the economy is rebounding? Yeah, I think the arguments for not like pulling back, right, are are weak. In other words, the the Fed sees the inflation data, it sees the strong economic growth that that's out there, and so they should be saying to themselves, well, hey, we don't need to keep pumping up the economy; it's going really well. So I, I think um, amid the signs that uh, labor supply issues are, are somewhat easy, but not quite there yet, um, I, I think the Fed has every reason to begin to tell everybody, look, we've done our job. Things are going to end up um, pretty good, and we don't need to continue to stimulate. Where there's concern, well, I mean, um, there's a lot of things that the Fed is concerned about when it comes to labor and whether or not um, labor prices or wages are going to go up significantly. And we already know oil prices are up significantly. We know that's going to hurt consumers as well. So there's a lot for the Fed to consider here uh, and then throw on top of it Biden's. Um Thanks so much. Coming up, competition heats up for the suburban site that holds Arlington Park. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The Arlington Park property in the northwest suburbs could become the subject of a bidding war. And we welcome Albie Galoon, the senior reporter at Crane Chicago Business. So, looks like the Bears aren't the only ones interested in Arlington Park, huh? No, they're definitely not. I mean, this is a 326-acre site, and that doesn't become uh, available every day in the Chicago suburbs. So, there are just traditional developers that have bid on this property, including two that we know of. One is Glenstar Properties, and the other one is Urban Street Group. And, um, you know, they um, we don't have a lot of details about what they plan there, but, you know, it would probably include uh, some homes some uh, and some commercial space and maybe some, some entertainment as well. So 
you know, it obviously a lot of it hinges on whether the Bears can reach a deal with the village of Arlington Heights. I mean, that's clearly the uh, the bidder that is attracting most of the attention. But there are other parties that are very interested in that side as well. It's attracting attention, but is a say a Bears stadium necessarily the best development for that property? Because you you mentioned you know where it's located and the infrastructure around it and what it can be developed for. Is there any thought that maybe uh, a Bears facility isn't necessarily uh, the most advantageous use of that site? And that's really a decision for the village of Arlington Heights and the people who live there. I mean, I think there are, there, uh, there are people out there who, who think it's a no-brainer in, in terms of the economic um, benefit that it would bring. I mean, it's not it, – it would – Obviously, a stadium is a big deal, but there would be all sorts of entertainment and other amenities that would be built around it. And it would be a huge, you know, provide a huge economic boost to the area. But, you know, it all depends on what the people of Arlington Heights want their community to be. And, and um, you know, it would attract a lot of people. And, you know, I'm sure that there um, if this thing gains momentum and we don't really know, um, you know, we don't know what's going on behind closed doors, so it's pretty hard to handicap at this point. But if it does gain momentum, you know, I think you'll probably hear from some people who probably don't want a stadium there. Is there any talk, Albie, and I don't know if there is, how much the talk of the Bears coming out there is influencing, you know, what kind of dollars we're talking about in terms of bids? Well, it, you know, it's, when you when you look at the options there, I mean it's the Bears. Uh, there's another group that wants to keep horse racing there in some form, and then do some additional development um, around the um, the existing track. And and then there's conventional development. It's really hard to know to get a handle on the economics at this point, um, unless you really know precisely what's going to be built there. Um, and, you know, this is going, going to be, uh, you know, obviously the Bears are going to be in a dance with village officials and, um, you know, these other developers that are interested in the site are going to have to go through a long process of review because they need zoning. They need the entitlements to build what they want to build. So there's going to be a lot of give and take both between the Bears, if they're serious, and village officials and then these developers and village officials. So. Um, there's just going to be a lot of give and take there. Albie Galoon, the senior reporter from Crane Chicago Business. Thanks so much for your insight on all this. Up next, a leading sandwich chain is making major menu moves. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Sandwich chain Subway is taking action to try to get customers back into its restaurants. And joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line is Izzy Karish, the president of Hospitality Works, also known as the restaurant coach here in Chicago. So, Coach, what's the game plan for Subway, and why do they have to do it? Well, they have not introduced a new product in a long time, and I think during the uh, pandemic, it's interesting, a lot of the uh, fast food companies, uh, pizza chains, uh, their sales went up. I think Subway had a hard year. Uh, even in the pandemic where everybody was ordering online and doing curbside and, and doing a number of those things. And, and they, they didn't see a, 
a rise in sales or maintaining sales like uh, other companies did. So they need to, to make a big push into the market with new items and new technology uh, so they can see growth. Give us a little example of what Subway is doing to try to right the ship, as it were. Well, I know that, um, you know, they're bringing in uh, chefs to help create new items. I think one of the items uh, that they're talking about is a rotisserie chicken item, uh, something healthy, something fresh, which is a real change in image uh, for Subway. Because when you think of Subway, you're thinking of their, you know, $5 foot long. You're not thinking fresh. You're not thinking healthy. And I think they're going to be changing uh, a substantial p- portion of their menu to, again, resonate with uh, younger people, uh, people who are uh, health conscious, and, and again, bringing them back into the market in a whole new way. Is he? Do you think it's enough? Do you think it's the right strategy? I think it's a good strategy. I think the technology is going to be a huge piece of it, uh, making it simple to order uh, on your phone, online, um, and introducing products that are going to pull people from you know, the Chipotles of the world over to them to try some fresh new products. Izzy Karish, the president of Hospitality Works, also known as the restaurant coach here in Chicago. Still ahead on Travel Tuesday, United Airlines prepares for the return of business travelers. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Good afternoon, I'm Jim Goodis. These are the top stories at 1230. Search crews recover more bodies from the collapsed condominium building in Surfside, Florida. The Pentagon cancels a contract that could have been worth billions of dollars to Microsoft. In Travel Tuesday, airlines gearing up for what they believe will be a strong return to business travel. We'll see what they're doing to prepare. We'll also have a special Tuesday edition of our Stock Picker feature. On Wall Street right now, the Dow is down 315 points, the S&P 500 down 24, the NASDAQ is down 32 points at 1231. Miami-Dade County Mayor Daniela Levine-Cava is updating the recovery effort at the condo building collapse in Florida. Through the team's ongoing efforts, we have recovered four additional victims. The number of confirmed deaths is now 32, with 26 of those identified. 191 people are accounted for, and we have 113 reports of people who are potentially unaccounted for. There's concern that Tropical Storm Elsa, expected to hit the state today, could affect the search. The Pentagon has canceled a cloud computing contract with Microsoft that could eventually have been worth $10 billion and will instead pursue a deal with both Microsoft and Amazon. Military leaders are referencing a shifting technology environment for the decision, citing industry advances and evolving requirements. They're not directly mentioning the legal battle it faced with Amazon's challenge of the original $1 million contract awarded to Microsoft. It's 12.32. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Markets are struggling today, and we're joined by Gary Kaltbaum, the president of Kaltbaum Capital Management and Fox News business contributor out of Orlando. So, uh, Gary, your take on Wall Street this afternoon. Well, it continues to be one of the most split tapes I've ever seen, and I've been following this for a while. Uh, Beginning uh, early May, all the areas that benefited from the opening up of the economy because of the vaccine – just started topping out one after the other, but all that money is going into technology, big tech, and now you can add in all the software and software security stocks because of uh, the hacking that's going on. So 
Uh, you got to be in the right areas right now or else. And when I mean the the, um, the opening up trade, we're talking any, everything economically sensitive, commodities, energy, travel, uh, uh, transport, and the like. Uh, that's not the place right now. Gary, as we're looking ahead to some key economic indicators later this week, what are you looking for and what do you think it may mean for uh, the future of the markets going forward from this week and well, beyond? Another thing I watch closely is the bond market and interest rates have been plunging over the last uh, few weeks, even though there's all this talk about inflation and stronger economic growth. Usually that means we're going to get some softness and maybe this opening up thing, the crescendo is over and done with. Uh, so I think there's uh, some heck to pay and, and we're seeing it in some of those areas that matters most to the economy. So, uh, you know, keep, you know, hold on tight. It's going to get quite interesting as we head in. Uh, further into the summer months. So when you say hold on tight, do you mean maybe this is a good time to kind of sit back and maybe reevaluate or look or uh, what's the thought on uh, what's the best advice for investors right now? I like growth stocks, companies that keep uh, doubling and tripling their business over a few years time. They will stand the test. The economically sensitive only go up when the economy is at its strongest. So I think there's a definite sea change going on right now. And you're seeing it today. The Dow's down over 300. The Nasdaq 100's actually up. So uh, th- I think that's the place to be right now. Amazon just broke out of an 11-month trading range. I think that's speaking volumes. Uh, and I would just stay away from anything economically sensitive this second. Any thoughts on this uh, Pentagon move with uh, the Jedi contract and Microsoft now having to share it with Amazon? Uh, a pretty big deal, but does it really make that much of a difference for two companies huh? the size of uh, Microsoft and Amazon? Yeah, you said it best. It, it, I, I hate to say it's small potatoes, but it is small in relation to how big these companies are. Uh, but leave no doubt, markets reacting on that. Microsoft was up earlier, is now down, and Amazon's at the high of the day. So there's there's definitely a little rhyme and a reason there. But when all said and done, it, it's not the biggest thing in history. And uh, actually, probably uh, when you look backwards, probably the fair thing to do uh, uh, to not just give the whole uh, matzo ball to one company. Gary, anything that isn't really getting talked about right now that you think we should be talking about? Uh, You know, since everybody's talking inflation, all I know is I'm seeing all the grains. uh, They're dropping like flies right now as far as price. Lumber just crashed. I'm not so sure we've got this big inflation everybody's talking about. And when I see interest rates plunging like this, I'm more worried about deflation in the market than inflation. Uh, for sure, there's some prices uh, that are higher, and uh, hopefully oil prices come down, but even they are plunging too today. So actually good news for the consumer, but uh, something to watch very closely. So instead of all this talk of a heat up, you're worried more about a cool off. You got it, sir. Wow. Gary, uh, that was something that we haven't heard much of, and it is something that is worth pointing out. Gary Kaltbaum, the president of Kaltbaum Capital Management and Fox News business contributor out of Orlando. Always great perspective. If you want to learn more, you can go online at GaryK.com. Up next on Travel Tuesday, taking a flyer on a return to business travel. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Travel Tuesday. Chicago-based United Airlines updating its fleet to increase premium seats for business travelers. And joining us on the McGrath Lexus business line is Joe Schwederman, the Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chattuck Institute at DePaul University here in Chicago. So, 
Joe, why is United doing this, and what's the strategy here? Yeah, they're uh, betting big on business travel. You know, with uh, we have this V-shaped recovery in air travel, and there's a lot of optimism about post-Labor Day. And I think United sees that, you know, its strength is really to be a, a major player at the big airports, playing to the business travel. So it's really overhauling and expanding fleet, its fleet, to put pressure uh my competitors and to give it as many as 53 premium seats on the average flight. That's a big increase from today. Joe, how much more profitable can these seats be than, say, uh, the the seats that uh, leisure travelers are buying? It's uh, lifeblood for United, really not just business travel, but international travel where the same uh, uh, buy-up premise works or people you know, buy a basic ticket and they pay a little more for the extra leg room for, you know, economy plus or go business or first class. And, uh, and they know that, uh, that's really their play in the market. They can, you know, sell those ultra discount base economy seats, but it is those, uh, you know, demanding premium, uh, desiring passengers that really, uh, pay the bills. So when they enlarge the airplanes with these new orders, the new maxes and, uh, A320s are buying, there's more room for those uh, premium seats than the little regional jets. What are the other carriers doing about business travel? How are they playing it? You know, uh, Americans in the middle of a big effort to look at how business travel is going to evolve. And they, you know, may remember, came out of the gate on COVID, most bullish of all, adding flights. Uh, they're paying, uh, learning the hard way with having to cancel a lot of flights because they just don't have the labor for it. But it is the sense that United, American, and Delta all are going to make a push for uh that premium uh, buyer and uh, just how quick business travel recomes, though, is, is a real variable right now. How much of a gamble is this for United? Because in part, you know, we're waiting to see business travel come back. It's starting to. But there are a lot of people who aren't who might have traveled pre-pandemic who might now be Zooming post-pandemic. That's right. And you do wonder if uh, the people that would pay top dollar may be the ones staying at home because of the you know, the cost differences. I think, though, we've seen the convention market really bounce back fast, and that's been encouraging to people. And Las Vegas is uh, really alive with convention activity, and we expect Chicago to, uh, you know, starting this fall. And that's given people a signal that uh, this business travel is going to bounce back. You know, that said, uh, COVID is going to just change the way we interact, and whether, you know, that sales force uh, will be out there buying full fare tickets as, as fast as United thinks is, uh, is really unclear. So right now you were just starting to talk about this. Uh, Give me a snapshot picture right now of what the business travel market is looking like. You know, right now, uh, uh, total air traffic is about 74%, meaning we're about three-quarters of where we were. And pleasure travel is almost totally bounced back. So what uh, the gap that's missing is that international and business travel that's been slower to respond. We do know that uh, um, uh, business travel has begun to pick up, particularly in the Sun Belt, where the restrictions were lifted earlier. And also, there's indications of more corporations, you know, pushing employees to come back. We know travel is going to come with that. So it's becoming more and more clear that there will be a rebound. Uh, the uh, the question is, though, if it's going to be a, you know, one- or two-year build or whether that V-shaped recovery will start this fall, as maybe United is betting on. Joe Schwederman, the professor of public services and director of the Chattuck Institute at DePaul. Joe, always great to get your insight. Join us at this time tomorrow. For Personal Finance Wednesday, still to come, a special Tuesday edition of our Stock Picker segment. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Delayed by a day by the long 4th of July weekend, let's get a couple of investment ideas this afternoon from Chuck Carlson. 
the CEO of Horizon Investment Services and the publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter out of Hammond and author of Winning with the Dow's Losers. So first on the list, United Health. Uh, that's right. It's a, it's a Dow stock, and it's a, a real high-quality blue-chip stock. You know, if people are looking for quality right now in a stock that they can kind of buy and hold on to and not worry about trading it, United Health fits that bill very nicely. The earnings continue to move higher. They'll have record results this year. Uh, the company beats earnings estimates on a consistent basis, and I think that trend is going to continue as well. And finally, if you're uh, concerned about a vol- the volatility in the market, it's a stock that should hold up reasonably well during down market periods. Uh, again, that's UNH, United Health. It trades for about $407 per share. And you get a, a little bit of a kicker in dividend yield, too, of about 1.5%. So good total return stock in a, in a solid group with, with really steady earnings uh, momentum. And what about Apple? You know, Apple's a, it's kind of an interesting stock in a sense. It had been kind of laying around. It hadn't done much this year, and it started to pick up some momentum here in the last few weeks and is, and is approaching its 52-week high here of about 145 The stock's trading right now at about $142 per share. And, you know, the, the nice thing about that is the expectations for Apple had seemed to be pretty low for this upcoming quarter in terms of iPhone sales, and I think the firm is going to, to beat those expectations. And, after a fairly lengthy period of sideways trading, you're starting to see uh, the potential for an interesting breakout. And when stocks trade sideways for a fairly lengthy period of time and do have those breakouts, especially technology stocks, those breakouts tend to be pretty aggressive. We're seeing that today, for example, on Amazon, which is having a real nice breakout after about 10 months of trading sideways. And I think Apple may be on the cusp of something like that as well. So uh, that's a stock that I know a lot of people own. A lot of people have probably been a little disappointed in its performance so far this year, but I think that's a stock that can perform much better in the second half of 2021. And where are we with the Dow Theory right now, Chuck? You know, the Dow Theory, the last primary signal was bullish. However, we are seeing significant divergence right now between the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which just went to a new all-time high last Friday, and the Dow Jones Transportation Average, which has gone to a series of lower lows here and is about 7% off its all-time high. Um, That divergence oftentimes can be kind of a precursor to uh, a significant correction or a pullback, not necessarily a bear market, um, but but a correction in the market. So that is something that we're watching closely, and, and that's what investors should be doing too. Again, the Dow Transports represent an index a lot of people don't watch, and they should, because of its sensitivity to economic trends. So the fact that that is deteriorating is a little bit of a, of a yellow flag and something we're going to continue to watch and investors should watch as well. That's Chuck Carlson, the CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter out of Hammond and author of Winning with the Dow's Losers. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app.